0: Welcome to another episode of the Spiritually Persistent Entrepreneur with your host, Sharon Wilson, Founder and Chief Inspiration Officer of Coaching from Spirit Institute and Master Spiritual Business Mentor. The intention of this show is to provide transformational tips, tools, strategies, and resources that support and empower you to soar and shine in your business now enjoy well welcome everyone
1: i'm so excited for you all to be here today we have an amazing guest she's a love and relationship expert and a leading personality and the personal growth and contemporary spirituality movement for the past twenty five years she's been living teaching and promoting consciousness through all forms of media she's a speaker and the producer and host of evolving wisdom's art of love series her mission is to help people find love keep love and most importantly love, and I absolutely love that. She's a gifted writer and the author of 11 books, including the international bestseller, The Soulmate's Secret, Manifest the Love of Your Life with the Law of Attraction. She's also the author of Turn Your Mate into a Soulmate, devoted to exploring a simple, fun, and effective way to gain shifts in perceptions so that you can embrace and find the beauty and perfection in yourself and in your mate. And that's what she's actually going to be talking about with us here today. And I'm so excited to welcome Ariel Ford. Ariel. Hey, Sharon. How are you? I'm fantastic. And I'm so appreciative for you sharing with our community all about this really important topic. So can I just kind of jump right in with some questions I have? Sure. Okay, great. Yeah. So... Ariel, talk about um what is love. You know, I in uh in October, my husband and I will be celebrating our 28th wedding anniversary. And, you know, it certainly has, uh, has had its moments <laughs> as we have gone through those 28 years. I'm not going to tell anybody that's all sunshine and lollipops. Uh, just like the whole idea of being a spiritually persistent entrepreneur, we always say that's, you know, there, there's certainly there are opportunities and divine curriculum. So maybe you can share a little bit more about what is love.
2: Yeah, um, that's that's I love making this distinction because we're all so brainwashed about what love is. We think love is a feeling, right? And then we meet somebody and we fall in love, and we think that's what love is. And that is not what love is. What that is, that being in love state, is the world's greatest drug high, and it literally is a drug. Your brain is cascading waves of oxytocin and dopamine and adrenaline and all these other feel-good hormones. And it puts us into this state, which I call nature's trick. It's nature's trick to get us to procreate the species, and it doesn't last. Normally, it's somewhere between six months, and if you're really lucky, three months, and then it pretty much disappears. And then we get into a state, which is what I call a mature adult love, and that is the kind of love that is real love and first and foremost adult mature love is a behavior it's a choice it's a practice it's a decision it's a way of being it's an action and as i'm sure you know after 28 years of marriage there will be days when you hate your soulmate (laughs) and that is perfectly normal But nobody ever taught us that. We think something's wrong. Oh, well, yes, I love you, but I don't feel it anymore, so maybe we should get divorced. It's just so silly. So we need to understand that love is this action place. It's a behavior. And it does have some feelings to it, but the feelings come and go. So if you're counting on your feelings to tell you whether or not you love somebody, you're probably going to spend most of your life in misery. Does that make sense? It really does. And I just have to say
1: absolutely to all of that, because I think so often people get married and they feel like, you know, it's just, this is just going to be like the movie. And when it's not, like the movies then they just feel a real sense of letdown and i think that's a lot of times where marriages relationships really you know start to go south and they don't have to so I love that you were sharing that. And, you know, one of the things that um, I I wanted to ask you is about the idea of prayer, prayer when it comes to relationships and prayer when it comes to love. You know, so often and, you know, you and I share, I I have mentioned to you, I was reading your blog last week and you had this great article about going into, I think, your exercise room and the TV was on and lo and behold, it's Joel Osteen, who I absolutely love, Um, uh, Joel is, you know, I see it's kind of like on my divine team, along with other, you know, teachers and um, and uh, mentors. And so you had said that it was really interesting because um, I think you said um, Joel was talking about, uh, you know, uh, work is not your source. I'm really talking all about source and talking about ha- and, and how it was very interesting, kind of synchronistic in a way that that came on. So I thought that was really great, your insights. Maybe you can share a little bit more about
2: your, you know, your okay. When it comes to prayer Well what he said was Work is not your source God is your source Mm -hmm. And that's really very Law of attraction based Which is the essence of my work Because in the law of attraction It states that um, we draw to us The people, places and experiences That match our state of being So if we're in the state of being That love is missing The frequency at which we're vibrating Can only attract the experience experience of love missing so When I talk about the proper way to pray, it's not a prayer of supplication. Dear God, send me more love because that implies that love is missing and you can't have anything that's missing. The proper way to pray is, dear God, I am so grateful for all the love in my life. I am so grateful that dad loves me. Mom loves me. Sister loves me. Kids love me. Best friend loves me. Business partner loves me. My dog loves me. (laughs) And you fill yourself up with gratitude for all the love you already have so I believe prayer is essential to manifesting anything you want more of in your life but to do it from a place of fullness from a place of gratitude because you already have it it's just that you've taken your attention off of what is so I absolutely
1: love that and you know I always talk to our community about so much about gratitude and about being grateful in advance even when you don't see it you know it's like I'm grateful in advance that I'm feeling more peace you know even if I'm not seeing it so just being grateful and and you know even if you're inexperienced with your with your mate you know being grateful that you know that you are working through this and that you are feeling more love so I think that is fantastic and that is that is something people can use whether they're in a relationship or whether they're looking to attract a relationship because you really support people on both ends so right right. so what's the unknown secret to relationship success everyone needs to know.
2: All right. So at the University of Washington, there's a professor named Dr. John Gottman, who is the world's leading marriage researcher. He's been doing it for over 50 years. He is the recognized genius in this field. And what his research has shown is that every single couple, not just some of them, All couples have a minimum of nine irreconcilable differences. These are things you're never, ever going to agree on, ever. There's no compromise to it. So it's things like the most common one is around money. One person's a spender, one's a saver. One's on time, one's always late. One's a neat-knit perfectionist, the other one's a total messy slob. One wants sex three times a day, the other wants it once a month. Things like that. And people... Leave relationships because these issues come up because they don't know that it's normal, that it's common. It is not normal to leave your marriage because your husband leaves wet towels on the floor day after day after day. Right. So the solution is actually coming up with creative solutions. And I'm going to give you a very personal example from my own life because I didn't know this when I got married. Yeah. So This is news to me. Know. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and so what happened was, um, I was a first time bride at 44, so I was really late to the game. And when Brian and I married, we both had good incomes. We were earning plenty of money. Not the lack of money was not our issue. Our issue was, how we each spent the money. So I came from a a lower middle class family where every single day my parents fought about money. So growing up, my thought was someday I'm going to make money and I'm going to hang on to it. Brian grew up in a very affluent home, country club lifestyle kind of kid. His mother taught him only to buy the best designer, everything. And then he got out of college and made a lot of money. So he had no money issues. Now suddenly we're together and the way spent Spending money is illing me. Just <laughs> killing me. I right. and and I don't know what to say it because if I mention it, it's like well, it's not like we can't afford it. So I actually had to put myself into therapy. And <laughs> what I discovered, which I didn't really know because I'd never identified it before, was that I had poverty consciousness. And that I had all this fear that I was going to turn into a bag lady. So I had to hoard the money. So once I was able to get really vulnerable with him and tell him the truth about my family history. I mean, on top of all of that, we lived with my grandmother who barely survived the depression. So I always heard about how she slept under newspapers and didn't have enough to eat. So I had all this stuff around money. So the creative solution we came up with was that we had three bank accounts. We had my money. we had his money and then we had our joint account and the agreement was we didn't police each other on the individual account and on the shared account nobody spent more than $500 without informing the other and we did that for a really long time and it worked really well because I had to understand that I had married a man who was very financially responsible but just had a different approach and so now 22 years later he he has taught me to appreciate the finer things in life and to spend more money than on myself than I would have in the past, although not at his level. <laughs> and I have taught him how to shop sale. You know? <laughs> and it really solved the issue. It was a creative solution. I didn't change him. He didn't change me. But we got to know each other better and we came to an understanding. And that's really what the purpose of marriage is. The purpose of marriage is to put yourself into a container so that all your childhood stuff can come up and be healed. Yeah, I've, I've heard of that too. I think Harville Hendricks in uh, yeah, his no, Imago totally Therapy, honest. right? Yes, that's Imago Therapy 101. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I worship at the temple of Harville <laughs>
1: Well, my husband and I went through uh, uh Imago Therapy at one point in our relationship. So, um, you know, I'm 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 very much a big believer in, you know, in, in getting that support. And I think that that's something that oftentimes people think, oh, there's something wrong with us if we're going to go, And get some kind of support, but I absolutely acknowledge and 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 align with all of that uh, uh, that whole idea that marriage is a container for healing. It's really a spiritual place. You know, it's It's a spiritual container.
2: No (laughs) deeper spiritual work you can do than in a marriage. And in fact, my rabbi always says. I asked him one day. I said, "What do you think the purpose of marriage is?" And he said to me, "To give what is most needed." Which Mm. I have to admit totally pissed me off.
1: Yeah, really. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) That's the answer I wanted or I expected to hear.
2: To give what is most needed. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of sacrifice. You know, I'm very much a "what's in it for me" person. Sure, absolutely. I mean, tested in the last few years, I've had some very major health issues, and I I had to become a caretaker. And let me tell you, that was that was not in my life plan. Exactly. I, I always talk to the community about how
1: there's these divine curriculums. And I really feel that at some level, some soul level, you know, we, we've signed up for these curriculums. But I always say as a human being, I would say, um, I'd never sign up for this. There's always there's always that opportunity for growth. There's always that opportunity for learning. And uh, it doesn't feel like that when are in the middle of it. You know, that no. any, anybody tells you that you want to smack them. So for anybody that's listening and is going through something right now, you want to smack me. I get that. But when you come to the other side of it, that's when you can start to see it. But even kind of looking at like as I'm going through this experience, I know, you know, something good will come out of this somehow. Doesn't look like it right now. But you know something. Right. Um, you have a you have a great uh, a concept about why couples should wear rose-colored glasses when it comes to seeing each other, which I think we really do in the very beginning, right? So right. To,
2: to talk to people more about that. So so there's actually been done uh, a scientific study on this at. Uh, the University of Buffalo, where they looked at couples who consciously chose to wear rose-colored glasses. And what they found is that these couples have happier, longer, more satisfying marriages and lives. And the reason for it is very simple. People who wear rose-colored glasses are always looking for what's right instead of looking for what's wrong. And this is really important for women because we're heat-seeking missiles when it comes to looking for what's wrong and then we want to (laughs) fix it. But imagine if you turn that around and, and John Gottman, who I mentioned earlier, has a really good exercise for this. What if at the end of every day you were to give your partner five appreciations and acknowledgements, you'd have to start really paying attention to what they're doing right. You wouldn't have time to focus on what they're doing wrong. And if you were giving them those five acknowledgements every day, they would A, start thinking about how they can acknowledge you and then what they can do to make you happier. So you wouldn't have to be whining, bitching, moaning, and complaining about what they're not doing because they're so filled up and happy that you're paying attention to what they are doing.
1: Yeah, that's really powerful because it's just, as you talked about, law of attraction. I mean, the more whatever we focus on really expands and I, I really have seen this so much with um, not just re- relationships with our love relationships but with anyone. You know, if if you're focusing in on really the, the, the best of that person, the qualities of that person, they're going to actually give more of that to you. You know, I've, I've seen that so many times where people will say, you know, I met the uh, someone in the uh, banker one time and was talking to, to him about some some things that I was looking for financing and you know just was the greatest guy and just really wonderful and we worked out some really great things um, for this investment and you know and I talked to someone else and they said oh my gosh that person is absolutely the worst you will never get him to you know do anything with you I said, oh, well, I'm glad I didn't talk to you before I talked to them, you know? So, I mean, was so interesting how when you focus in on someone's positive qualities, they really tend to give you more of those positive qualities. And so I, I've seen that over and over again. So that is, a, that is a wonderful thing because it's also helping you be very present, right? Like, yeah. you know, if I've got to think of five appreciations and five acknowledgements, you know, so that's really make, make me very present. I'm really on the lookout, you know, for like fulfilling my assignment, you know, that day. So right. I think that I think that's really awesome. I really want to encourage people to do that. I love I love some of your great, you know, great practical things that people can do too. So what do we do? Ariel, when our partner is always doing something that really makes us crazy. You know, you talked about in the beginning about how, you know, so often that's what happens is kind of opposites attract for that, you know, that healing purpose, really. So what happens, you know, what do we do when we're just going crazy? Because, of course, that's going to trigger us. You know, if I'm neat and my husband's a slob, that is going to really trigger all my stuff. So talk about that.
2: Okay, well, there's three parts to it, so I'm gonna okay. make a note so I don't forget them all. Okay. Um, so first, I want to start three with a store. All right. I'm gonna. So I want to explain what wabi sabi love is. Okay. Wabi sabi is an ancient Japanese aesthetic that honors all things old, worn, imperfect, and impermanent, and it seeks to find beauty and perfection in imperfection. So imagine there was an antique Ming vase, and it had a long, crooked crack down the middle of it. The Japanese would place this vase on a pedestal and they would shine a spotlight on the crack. They would honor the brokenness of it. So I believe that it's really helpful that we start practicing wabi-sabi love to honor our own brokenness and that of our partner. So I was teaching this in a workshop one day. And this woman stood up and she said, well, I have a problem even you can't solve. And I said, what's that? She said, my name's Stephanie and I've been married to Garth for 16 years and I'm a total clean freak neat nick perfectionist and Garth is a total messy chaotic slob and I don't think I can take it much more. The only thing that's keeping us together is that he works out of state two weeks of every month. So when he's gone, the house is perfect and when he gets home within hours, it's a mess. So I asked her, I said, well, Stephanie, do you have a dog? And she said, yes. And I said, does your dog shed? And she said, yes. I asked her, what do you do when the dog sheds? Oh, I vacuum up after him. And I said to her, Stephanie, do you love your dog? And she got really quiet. And she said, oh, my God, Garth (laughs) sheds. And in that moment, she got that just like her dog has no control over his shedding. Neither does Garth have any control over his messiness. And then a year later, when I was writing Turn Your Mate into Your Soulmate, I started thinking about her. I started wondering, was that just a momentary aha thing or did something change? And I went through a lot of trouble to track her down. And this was at a conference in Idaho and I had to call the promoters and finally I got somebody on the phone and, and I and I said there was this woman in my workshop, her name was Stephanie. She was married to Garth. I need to find her and the woman said to me, Oh she my realtor. Here's her number. I got got Stephanie on the phone and I said, hey, Stephanie, how are things with you and Garth? And she sighed and she said, things have never been better. She said, things are so great that he quit his job to create a stay at home business so we can be together 24 seven. And yes, he's still a slob. (laughs) <laughs> that is a great story. So that's what's possible, you know, because people aren't, the idea is not to change them with Wabi Sabi Love. The idea is to come up with a new story, with a new perspective on why they do what they do. Now, of course, this doesn't work if, they're, if, they're, uh, if there's active addiction or any kind of abuse sure. or they're telling big lies. Wabi Sabi Love doesn't work. Then you need professional shrink or to help you work through it but for the everyday annoying things that people do come up with a new story you know or or you can explain to somebody how what they're doing is negatively impacting your life if that makes sense you know like uh i had a friend whose husband always left the toilet seat up and then she'd get up in the middle of the night (laughs) to go to the bathroom and she would fall into the toilet which is the cold water would wake her up and then she couldn't go back to sleep and finally one day rather than harassing him for the millionth time she just said to him his name was Greg she said Greg I just just need to tell you what's happening to me almost on a nightly basis and why I'm not sleeping well because I think you might be able to help me he said yes of course sweetheart what can I do and she told him and he never left the seat up again yeah now he had a good reason it wasn't just somebody shrieking at him nudging him you know berating him he actually she owned that this whole thing about you know what it was like for her not making him wrong though
1: yeah that's really powerful now you said there's three parts so what's the second part
2: um, so wabi sabi love how you talk to them. What was the second part? To my brain's going. What were we even talking? Remind me what what topic were we about? Oh on?
1: no worries. We were talking about what you do when your partner. Makes oh, they you crazy. Okay,
2: here's the third part. <laughs> okay. So the third part is like, um, so, so I'll give you an example from my life. So, so my husband used to be one of the most patient men on the planet, and then two years ago he had a massive stroke. He's mm-hmm. physically. Much better, but not a hundred percent, but he still has some PTSD from how everything went down. And one of the biggest changes that I've noticed is that he's no longer patient. He, and he particularly sometimes gets impatient with me. So what I do, because I know that I know the source of it. So my initial instinct is to be annoyed. But then I say to myself, well, imagine we were in a court of law and I was his defense attorney and I had to explain to the jury why he's behaving this way. And then I tell him, oh, he went through this massive trauma and it's affected his nervous system. And then I know I'm no longer annoyed. So start thinking about when your partner annoys you, they're not, they don't, your husband didn't wake up this morning and say, oh, I wonder how I could really pissed Sharon off today. What could I do to annoy her? Nobody wakes up like that, but we respond and react as if that's true. So you become their defense attorney.
1: Oh, I love that. You know, another thing that um, that I have, I don't know where I heard it, but it works really powerfully even with my daughter who's 22, is to get a picture of them when they're little, like five years old or three years old or something, and just have it, you know, on your desk, whatever. Because when you think about it, and you, you have this unconditional love towards this, you know, five-year-old. And even now with my daughter, you know, when something will happen, I just, I just look at that picture and I'll think, you know, go back to that time. Because really, I mean, we're all just kind of walking around, you know, five-year-olds, you know, inside, right. Right. <laughs> you know, these, these other, these other numbers of, uh, of bodies. So now I, I, I wanted to ask you one more question, um, before we close and, um, and this is something I hear a lot from people, so uh, especially people that have been married for a long time, how do you keep the passion going in a marriage? And you know, and the idea that there are um kind of uh, you know, is it normal for there to be ebbs and flows? I mean, what's your perspective when you talk to people about turning your mate into yeah, a soulmate?
2: It's it's not a perspective, it's a fact of life. Okay dies down that's that's just the truth it's the aging process the hormones slow down uh there's so much familiarity there's kids there's work there's stressors all of that so in an ideal situation you're having sex by appointment you're actually putting it into your to-do list you don't wait till you feel like you're in the mood okay right If you wait to feel like you're in the mood, you may never have sex again. (laughs) Actually make it an appointment and you make it an appointment at a time that works for both of you. Because if you're waiting till late at night when everybody's worn out and exhausted, that may not make sense. But if all the kids are out of the house on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning, you know, that might make more sense. So it just becomes something you do, do together. So that's the first most important thing by appointment. That works for everybody and maybe a regular schedule. The other thing is novelty. You've got to change it up. If you've been doing the same thing in the same place for 30 years, go get a motel room. Go to a secluded park. Get in the back of the station wagon or the van <laughs> or whatever, but, but change it up. Do something different. And the third way to do it, which is very extreme but works really well, is that you you sit down and you jointly decide to do something together that scares the shit out of both of you. Something that you actually think could kill you. So that could be skydiving, bungee jumping, whitewater, river rafting, roller coaster, scary movies. Pick one thing and then make a plan to go do it together and book a motel room. Room for after you've done it. And the reason for this is when you have a shared life-threatening experience with that gigantic adrenaline rush, it kicks off all the same hormones in your brain of when you fell in love. That is really powerful. I mean, that is really
1: yeah. great. And you hear that from people all the time. And I think a lot of times what happens is it becomes this point of contention in a couple where you're saying, OK, well, you know, this isn't working. And, and you know, and then like you said, it just becomes this thing that now becomes an issue and you know no one ever wants to deal with the 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 issue you know so I think that that is um, that's really great that and and adding on some of the other things that you talked about in that as well the appreciation and the uh, acknowledgments because the more the more you're feeling connected with someone and the more you're feeling playful the more you want to play Right. So. Right.
2: And 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 the truth is, it's really about quality, not quantity. Hmm. So you know, if you have the date planned and you don't feel like doing it, just remember, just you're gonna once you get into it, you're gonna be glad you're there, right? Yeah. You know. So exercise. Yeah. Like I don't want to exercise. You know, but I, when I'm, when I'm done exercising, I'm really proud of myself and I'm really glad that I forced myself to do it. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, you know, so figure something out because, you know, for women, it takes them longer to get out of their head, you know, so it's really hard to be spontaneous when you have work pressure, money pressure, kid pressure, aging parent pressure, you know, but if you know that there's, there's a time every week where an hour before you jump into bed, you could go have an mm-hmm. aromatherapy, bath or you could, you know, do something really soothing to let go and you actually create this space for yourself and for them, you know, that might make sense. Now, the other piece of that I would add to it is that you should have, and John Gray John Gray talks about this, he says there's gourmet sex and then there's fast food sex and fast food sex or quickie is just as important as the gourmet sex because, you know, it may be that one or both of you just needs it for stress relief. You know, and it may be that you just say, you know, meet me in the laundry room in five minutes and you know, don't have an expectation, you know, that it's gonna be the hottest thing ever. But <laughs> but somebody's gonna at least feel a lot better. You know, so be creative that way.
1: I think that is really amazing because when you think about it, there's these high expectations again from movies, from you know society, from you know social media, whatever. Even more so, you know, of just this, uh, this you know amazing romantic, you know, this gourmet you know experience. And if one person's thinking, eh, "I don't want a gourmet meal, you know, I just want something, I just want a, a right. Big Mac," <laughs> then that's good. I love that you can. Uh, talk to your partner that way and say, look, it doesn't always have to be like that. You know, it doesn't always have to be this most amazing thing. You know, the firework, you know, went off for two hours or right. something like that. So I think that that is really great, and I really appreciate that. So uh, anything you want to share in closing, Ariel, for, to share with folks uh, in our community here about uh, turning their mate into a soulmate?
2: <laughs> well, I wrote the book, Turn Your Mate Into Your Soulmate, because it's the book I wish I had been given as a wedding gift. <laughs> yeah, it really. There was so much that I didn't know about how to be a great partner, and and what was normal in a relationship, and all of that, and how men think, because they think totally different than we do, and how to get what you want out of any man. They're so easy, and so all of that is in my book, Turn Your Mate into Your Soulmate, and um, I'm offering you guys a free chapter from the book. You're going to give them the, the URL to get that, but there's 16 steps in there that will You know, take wherever you're at now, and if you implement them for the next six months, there's a 90% chance you can turn your relationship around. Wow,
1: that's fantastic. And I want to just encourage everyone to definitely go and get that. uh, Go get that chapter and then get that book. I mean, get the chapter, but then get the book. So I'm. This is going to be on the um, page as well, but I just want for anyone listening, just go to slash passion and that's A R I E L L E. Ford.com. And we'll give that link to everybody. But for anyone who's listening, uh, I just want to make sure you have that link. So Ariel, I'm so grateful for you and your work. And I just really want to encourage people to take some of the things that you uh, gave us here today. They're very actionable and very practical, which I really appreciate. And just thank you so much for your for your light and uh, the work that you're doing in the world. We're just so grateful and so appreciate you.
0: All right. Thank you. Do you hate selling yet love to be of service? In my free masterclass, you will discover three soulful secrets to client conversations that feel joyful, easy, and fun. Using these secrets, one of my clients made $8,000 in one week, and another client made $100,000 in less than six months. Register now at www.coachingfromspirit.com masterclass.